year is 1988. A young Kora player and rising hotshot on the Malian scene, Tumani Jabate goes into a studio in Madrid, Spain, with the flamenco band Ketama and bass player Danny Thompson. Together, they create a landmark album called Sonhai, a blend of flamenco and West African music that turns out to be way ahead of its time. Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Today, we take a deep dive into the mysterious origins of flamenco music and dance, specifically into the role that African-descended Spaniards, Afro-Andalusians, played in the prehistory of flamenco. Our program today is The Hidden Blackness of Flamenco. And to tell this story, we're going to rely on four fascinating people. First, a brilliant Spanish musician. I am uh, Raul Rodriguez. I am a musician and cultural anthropologist. I play some flamenco mixed with uh, African roots and blues and jazz and rock. My mother is Martirio. It's a very, very good singer from Spain. My father was the first generation who mixed uh, flamenco and blues and flamenco and African or jazz. So I grew up in this fusion. And then a flamenco dancer. My name is Yinka Essie Graves. I'm a dance artist, originally from London, but now based in Spain for the past 10 years, um, and more specifically, Seville. Then, a documentarian whose film Gurumbe Afro-Andalusian Memories has shaken up the flamenco world. I'm Miguel Angel Rosales, an anthropologist, director of Gurumbe from Andalusian Memories. Uh, well, I'm involved in a kind of search, not the origins of the flamenco, but a kind of performativity around African feelings inside flamenco. No? And finally, another flamenco dancer and a scholar whose work inspired today's program. My name is Maida Goldberg and I'm a flamenco dancer and I've also done choreography and a lot of teaching and for the last 10 years or so I've been doing a bunch of scholarship about flamenco. So I have a book coming out called Sonidos Negros on the blackness of flamenco. It's coming out from Oxford this fall of 2018. Raul, Yinka, Miguel and Maida are going to take us on a fascinating journey. Let's start out with music from a band made up of musicians from Spain and West Africa. Here's Sidi Samba and Afro Flamenco with Njit. Avec respect, dignité. Je veux te voir et 
connais Pour ça moi-même je vais changer Ne pas gâter, ne pas détruire Moi si je veux te construire Qui de là où tu es Moi c'est qui connaît, Flamenco, merging Spanish and West African sounds in a fusion that turns out to have deep roots. Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide, where today we're considering the hidden blackness of flamenco. To understand our story today, you have to remember that the Iberian Peninsula was ruled for centuries by Moors, Arabs, and North Africans in the land once known as Al-Andalus. So by the time King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella expelled non-Christians from Spain in 1492, Africans had been a presence there for a long time. Here's filmmaker Miguel Ángel Rosales with Yinka Esigraves translating. Centrándonos un poco más que la península ibérica, centrándonos en Andalucía, lo que es Sevilla, Cádiz, Huelva, Málaga. Before the conquest of the Americas, there was already a large black population in the southern parts of Spain. So that population was already there before we come to speak about the transatlantic slave trade. Sí. No? When the Spanish start extracting the resources from the Americas, Seville and Lisbon are pretty much the main centers. And in those places, we have a population of between 10 and 15% that is of African descent. Really, this is the first considerable population of black people in Europe ever. Here we're talking about the 15th and 16th centuries where Spain and Portugal were developing this huge trade that it then extends all the way into the 19th century. Because once Seville lost its weight in the slave trade, Gadis becomes the new center. And up until the mid 19th century, you still have slaves in Gadis. So this is something that extended over four and a half centuries. One thing that's really important to mark is that unlike slavery in the Caribbean, in the Americas, that we're not talking about people who are on plantations. We're talking about something that's almost more complex because you have free slaves, you have people who work in a domestic setting, but then they're allowed out to do other work, no? Mm. 
And so over the centuries, this culture that's coming from the African continent is being eaten into the fabrics of society. And here's Maida Goldberg. Afro-descendants who had been Christianized were not expelled. And what happened with the Atlantic slave trade amping up is that everyday people stopped having the wealth to buy slaves. And the great weight of people that were captured and enslaved went to the Americas directly. They stopped passing through Seville. They stopped passing through Cadiz. Also, another thing about slavery in Spain is that slaves were permitted to buy back their freedom. And those people that were able to buy their freedom, quote unquote, were still very much marginalized, and they did live in these kind of marginalized neighborhoods. There's some evidence of black people working as choreographers, for example, in like the 17th century, but black people were just fewer and farther between to the point where by the 1980s, you would not see black people walking down the street. That's why Spain doesn't realize about its history of slavery because they just never thought they even had a black population. opening his performance at a recent flamenco conference in New York City. Raul was born and raised in Andalusia, and he's seen for himself how quickly blackness can blend into mainstream Spanish society. You know, my wife is from Mozambique, and I'm Andalusian. We have two daughters. My second daughter is white. It's an African face, but it's white. So in one century, you have three or four generations. So you cannot see black people in Andalusia, but you can see these, these mouths, you can see these bottoms, you can see this way of dancing, and you can feel the music, so many things. The black people from Andalusia, they never wrote his own history, and nobody wrote that history. The black Spanish population, as in the descendants of the Afro-Spaniards who lived there up to the 19th century, are no longer visible. Let's say they're no longer visible in the way that in England you'll see the black population, in the United States you'll see the black population. So there isn't a line of people who identify as Afro-Spanish, despite the fact that for me, living in the South, I find it quite funny because I see so many people who I can see would have a black grandparent, but they probably don't even know it. that his father was one of the first musicians in Andalusia to make a connection between flamenco and blues. And you hear that in this track from the 1980s Andalusian band Pata Negra. This is Blues de la Frontera. Thank you. 
I think I was looking a way to explain to me that my father's not so crazy. <laughs> that it was something in common between the blues and the flamenco. So when I study in the university history and anthropology, I start to know the histories about the slavery in Spain, that it was a history that nobody talks about. The Afro-Andalusian people, that it was almost of 15% in the 16th century. So in my experience, you can feel the rhythms of sarabanda, tango, or fandango, start with the African people in Sevilla in the 16th century, 17th century, 18th century. And then came the gypsy people, and we have flamenco. Flamenco guitar virtuoso Sabicas from his classic album Flamenco Puro. Like Raul Rodriguez, anthropologist Miguel Angel Rosales became fascinated by the history of Afro-Andalusians, and that understanding began to change the way he heard flamenco music. Pero por otro lado, una vez que estaba ahí, volví, ¿no? Al tema del flamenco porque From there, I was able to come back to the flamenco with more strength and more basis this kind of historical base which explains the Afro-Spaniards, their role in flamenco.
Sabicas Flamenco Puro. Miguel's research culminated in his 2016 film, Gurumbe, Afro-Andalusian Memories. We asked him about that title. Gurumbe is a piece, a piece of music that appears in the siglo XV, 1400 and something, the beginning of the 1500. Gurumbe is a type of song, well, a collection of songs by Matteo Flecha in this case. Uh, we're talking about the 15th century. It was like a compilation of the songs that were sung either from Spain but also from the new colonies and they would be put together in this sort of like book album for people to listen to at Christmas. So in this popery of songs, we find for the very first time a song which is called La Negrina, the black girl, which speaks of Gurumbe Gurumbe and in a way is part of a tradition that somehow emulates but also is making fun of the way the black population spoke. So this is the very first time we actually see that being represented in song. So it's almost like the beginning of an archive, no? A recognition of this black presence. At that time, there were dances which were called gurumbe. And in fact, to this day in Nigeria, you will find dances that have that root guru, gurumbe. And La Niña de los Peines, a very well-known flamenco singer from like the 20s, 30s, sings a tango, which is a style where she sings guru guru. The actual lyric is about a husband who goes off with his mixed race lover. So even into the 20th century, we have this kind of remnant of the Gurumbe. Well, we'll come back to the film Gurumbe and its impact on the flamenco community. But first, some music from a genre-banding flamenco artist, Buica. Buica was born in Spain, but to parents from Equatorial Guinea. She merges elements of flamenco, jazz, and pop to create an original and, frankly, sensational sound. Here's a track from Wicca's Grammy-nominated 2008 album, Niña de Fuego. Mientras no haya sol que ilumine el cielo, solo las estrellas en el firmamento, mientras sea de noche y no llegue el día, nada que ilumine esta pena mía, esta pena mía, corazoncillo loco que mata mi alma, tan poquito a poco que me quita el sueño, nunca me ha dolido tanto este sufrimiento que me está matando como llovía. La tarde en que te fuiste, yo todavía pensando en ti, me pongo triste. Considero que fue todo culpa mía cuando tú hablabas 
Y yo sin contestarte casi todo aquel silencio Culpa mía, culpa mía la llamada sin respuesta Culpa mía nuestra puerta demasiado abierta Yo te he entregado mi alma sin pensarlo Culpa mía es el dolor que estoy pasando como llovía La tarde en que te fuiste yo todavía pensando en ti Me pongo triste las canciones y la tarde junto al mar fue culpa mía culpa mía los recuerdos que nos quedan culpa mía cuando te espera despierta yo te he entregado mi alma sin pensarlo culpa mía es el dolor que estoy pasando culpa culpa mía la llamada sin respuesta culpa mía nuestra puerta demasiado abierta yo te he entregado mi alma sin pensarlo culpa mía el dolor que estoy pasando como llovía la tarde en que te fuiste todavía pensando en ti me pongo triste muy triste me pongo triste Vocalist Buica merging flamenco and jazz on her 2008 song Culpa Mia, It's My Fault. Well, with a voice like that, Buica, I think we can forgive you. We're hearing today from another flamenco artist with African heritage. Dancer Yinka S.C. Graves grew up in London, but she was seduced by flamenco and moved to Andalusia in Spain 10 years ago. Flamenco has this very specific aesthetic. What really grabbed me was the act of doing it that felt very right. I think there's a mixture of like partly the complexity of it because it's something that, you know, you see from the outside and it looks like people are doing one thing and then the minute you start learning, it's just like there's so much detail involved, there's so much knowledge needed around all the different styles. Technically, it's very difficult. So I think once you start, you realize that it's like, oh my goodness, this is huge. Yinka appears in the film Gurumbe, which reveals the deep history of Africans in Spain, as we've said, a history many Spaniards have ignored. Yinka says the film has made this history undeniable. A lot of people have seen the film and there's almost the sense that there's a before and after, that now it's hard for people to try and negate that that is a reality. Without anybody really saying it, there's a consensus that, yes, okay, we understand that. And for me, in a very similar way, this might sound a bit extreme, 
but to the way, you know, after something like apartheid, the day after everybody suddenly is like, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. Now, you know, we don't believe those ideas anymore. And so there's no real process of actually looking at why or how this has been ignored. But suddenly now it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, we knew this. That's interesting and I definitely feel that now as a dancer, somehow there's more sense that there is a place for me. Whereas before, had the film not come out and I had gone around saying that, I think nobody would have wanted to listen. So I think the film has kind of made it very difficult for anybody to say otherwise. Well, just the same. The world of flamenco is very confident in its version of history and not always open to new ideas and innovations. Here's ethnomusicologist Joshua Brown. So many of the artists are named either after their family or in relation to the place that they're from. Right, so Paco de Lucia, for instance, Lucia was his mother. Manolo Sanlúcar is from Sanlúcar. And so the music itself is so closely linked with heritage and also location. That's part of the reason why it's so difficult to move forward is because they feel like it's almost turning your back on these resources that are there for you. These melodies, these rhythms. You can take them and create new things, but to do something drastic, to have a new instrument, or even link up with more cosmopolitan influences can be seen as anathema. For instance, the Cantes de Ida y Vuelta, songs that went to Cuba and came back, they're seen as worth less. They're not seen as deep or as profound because they're not from Andalusia, right? So they're not ours. Paco de Lucia on guitar and flamenco vocalist Fosforito with the tango from Cadiz. This is traditional flamenco, the sort you will hear in a tablao, a tavern in Seville. Dancer Yinka Essi Graves says she works in a different world, a kind of parallel flamenco universe. Since the film, I've had much more interest from like the general public, being called more to do gigs and stuff. However, the traditional flamenco world, so let's say the world of the tablao, which very much relies on perpetuating an image of who is a flamenco dancer. I mean, obviously I'm the extreme case because I'm a black woman, but I know of women who are like fair-haired who've been told to either put a wig on or dye their hair if they want to perform in certain spaces. So it shows you that there are all these different ideas about what flamenco is, what it should be. People get in fights and people argue about this all the time. Well, we'll try to keep things civil as we explore the blackness of flamenco. Coming up, the birth of flamenco and Raul Rodriguez's unique journey to creating the Tres Flamenco. Visit afropop.org to read our fascinating interview with Meda Goldberg and so much more. I'm Georges Collinet and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX.
this program, we've been talking about a history that goes back to the 15th century in Spain. So it might surprise you to know that the music and dance we know as flamenco only came into being in the middle of the 19th century. Here's Miguel Ángel Rosales. Sí, efectivamente, el flamenco cuando nace en el siglo XIX. Flamenco is created a specific time in the 19th century where a people who are taking a tradition and rethinking, really cutting rhythms and putting things together in a certain way to create a very new form of expression, but totally from traditional forms which are steeped in African expression. Hay una, una reacción frente a eso, y esa reacción frente a eso... Es un uh, have a new audience for this kind of music and it kind of flows out into society, almost like a boom. In the south of Spain, there's this very specific urban identity of these characters who are kind of like semi, I don't know, criminal kind of bands that are identifying themselves against the kind of French bourgeois and Italian bourgeois culture. And in a way, this music is part of that identity. Miguel says that this new emerging audience gathered in taverns and other intimate venues in the cities and towns of Andalusia, and competition set a high standard for the performers. Here is Maida Goldberg. He's talking about the Cafés Cantantes. The Cafés Cantantes were basically music halls. Spain was invaded by Napoleon in 1808. So all through the 18th century, Spain was fighting against the influence of the French, but the Italians are also problematic. And so in the beginning of the 19th century, Italian bel canto was like the big rage. And there were all of these like dilettantes that would sing and they know all these songs and they like get together as amateurs and sing these songs. And in Andalusia, these dilettantes became aficionados and they began singing what were their own national songs, which turned out to be, ironically, flamenco songs, right? Which are really Roma songs, right? It's like identified with that culture. So this kind of, we are outlaws because we are oppressed by, you know, the French monarchy. Really, from the 30s and 40s to now, there's been this other boom, and in a way what we're listening to now probably has very little to do with what was actually originally being played in the 19th century. Technically, not only in terms of the music, but also the dancing, this is me kind of adding in here, the dancing has evolved so, 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 so much, and new styles that weren't danced before suddenly dance and so on. So it's actually a constantly evolving art form based on the creativity of a lot of artists and families. Miguel's film Gurumbe is not out to debunk flamenco history, but rather to help it evolve, to fill in an important piece that's been missing. 
un poco para cerrar, ¿no? Es un gran, como una gran caja, un gran contenedor de memoria, ¿no? What has interested me in flamenco is this incredible container of memory that is sort of held in people's bodies and people's voices, and in that, one that was never given its place is the memory of the black presence there. And so, in a sense, making this film is really about appreciating that part of this huge structure which holds so much. of Martirio, accompanied on guitar by her son, Raul Rodriguez. My mother is a very, very good singer of copla, the traditional way of singing in Spanish, also flamenco and also bolero, tango. And she's a very, very important singer in Spain, Martirio, the first woman to sing the actual problems of the women in the modern world. Martirio is the picture of the old meeting the new. She wears a comb in her hair the mark of a traditional female singer, but also she never removes her dark glasses in public. Since her rise in the 1970s, her fans have never seen her eyes. Dark glasses as a rock star, but he has come as traditional thing. In these first years of Spain, um, after the Franco's time, it was a very opening time. So I grew up in this magical world. Huh? Well, a magical world indeed. Two brilliant musicians as parents and all the excitement of post-Franco Spain. program with a track from Songhai, the groundbreaking encounter between Malian Cora maestro Tumani Jabate and the flamenco band Ketama. It turns out Raul Rodriguez was there. I was a boy, I was 14 years and I was in Madrid with my mother. My mother was recording her second album and Tumani was recording in Madrid. During those Songhai sessions, Tumani played Cora on a track for Martirio's album. It was a song she had written for Raoul, Excalibur, based on the legend of King Arthur and the sword in the stone. I was fascinated about the whole story of Excalibur when I was a boy, no? so my mother wrote that song for me. And Tumani plays... Desprevenido con sus dientes 
Last years in May, I was in Mali in Bamako playing with Sumani, and I say, "Oh, Sumani, I am the song of Martirio. Martirio with Calibur, yeah!" He give me a hug, and it was funny for me because my mother wrote that song for me almost 30 years ago to take the sword to make a battle, and now I make Afro-flamenco music that is a battle. It's a war. You know, my mother recorded with Compay Segundo after Buena Vista Social Club. She went to Havana to sing with him in his 90th birthday. And I say, oh, mom, take me at Cuban Trace to play. So she gave me the trace. I took the trace to go to the places where the flamenco is alive. Not only Sevilla or Cadiz, huh? in the village. I'm playing with the old people, playing that old style of flamenco. So we make a band, Son de la Frontera, a guy playing guitar and me playing the Cuban trace. La Frontera with Buleria Menor, Cuban Tres, and Flamenco Guitar. Well, this combination gave Raul a new idea. I realized I must do one instrument that mix Flamenco Guitar and Cuban Tres. So I make the Tres Flamenco, Flamenco Tres, putting the strings from Laud, 
and strings from flamenco guitar and build it like a flamenco old guitar from the 19th century. So it's a new instrument. I can mix all the music without problems, you know, because there is nobody before. <laughs> so I can feel I am the best one and I can feel also I am the worst. <laughs> so there's no problem and no ego and no competition with another guitar player or, or the, another Cuban. It's like a discovery. So my feeling is I am come back to the past to go to the future, back to the future. The Tres Flamenco has a pear-shaped body and it was made by a flamenco luthier, or luthier, as you say in English, just six years ago. So it's a very young instrument. My first song it was El Negro Curro. It's like the first black people who came to Havana didn't come as slaves from Africa. They came from Sevilla as free people, people looking for life and looking for the new world in the 16th century and 17th century. So in Cuba, they name curros because curros, it was a name from the Andalusian people to make the distinction from Canarian people or Catalonian people or Gaelican people and another Iberian immigrants who came to Cuba. So to sing the history, I made my first song, mixing the song and the bulería. When you make the song, you make anticipated bass. So, um, 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 and when you make the bulería, so I want to make this bulería as a danceable rhythm to everyone. So I make Soy flamenco y compongo el son que me gusta a mí. Yo siempre llevo sombrero y mi pañuelito rojo. Yo tengo más de cien ojos para ver el mundo entero con mi arte salamero y la faca en el fajín siempre vivo para trajín que a mí se me presentara no hubo trifulca tan rara que no le pusiera fin Sevilla la dueña del universo explorado Yo solo fui esclavizado por una guapa sureña No duerme aquel que no sueña 
el que sueña se despierta con la mente más abierta para seguir buscando el oro si yo tuviera un tesoro el campo no tendría puerta it's like a new traditional style from the future that's my way of working mixing the patterns of history and make a new thing no sonería I think that if you can dance, everything is truth. Your body says, oh, okay, this is real. So I want to make these stories danceable. another song. I'm talking about the troubles of Fandango rhythm. It's the Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Mexican rhythm who came to Spain in the 17th century and then mix with another styles in Spain and make the Fandango flamenco. Cuanto más navego, más grande es el mar. Cuanto más navego, más grande es el mar. Más lejos la tierra. Más hondo el cantar, más lejos la tierra, más hondo el cantar. Toma este fandango que es para ti, viene de la mar morena. Llévame en tu baile lejos de aquí, llévame a la mar. Rodriguez, a true original. 
Raoul calls himself the first person to champion the idea of Afro-Flamenco. But these days, it's becoming a trend, although with a few caveats. Here is dance artist Yinka Essie Graves. That's very interesting. I was recently in Colombia and they named the whole tour like this sort of Afro-Flamenco. And I have to say that on one level, I was actually reluctant for them to use that because whilst for me it's very important that we recognize the part that the Spanish-African population have played in creating what we know as flamenco. However, particularly me, obviously I'm a black woman, I also was like, mm, I don't know that I want to call it Afro-Flamenco because putting that name on it, you know, I'm born in England. I don't have a direct connection to, let's say, a specific dance form from, for me, Ghana, for example. My mother's from Ghana. It's almost like I don't want to belittle that. We can't just name it that because I'm black, so therefore I'm doing Afro-Flamenco. Whatever Afro means almost belittles whatever that real influence could be with somebody who might be a great master in a specific African dance who comes to flamenco, if that makes sense. And here's Maida Goldberg. People are trying to bring out the other voices that contribute to flamenco, the African voices, the voices of many other people, and that needs to happen. But at the same time, it can't happen at the expense of erasing the people. It can't happen in competition. What I argue in my book is that the image or the stereotype of the gypsy is the image of blackness for Spain. All of those things, the confusion, the noisiness, the subversiveness, the speaking truth to power, all of that stuff is what signifies blackness, and that is what flamenco is. Goldberg, and watch for her book Sonidos Negros on the blackness of flamenco. You know, there's something we haven't mentioned yet. That's flamenco's rough, passionate, even anguished vocal style. La cebolla escarcha. Enrique Morente. Say what you will. This is not European. It's just old. I just know it's old. It's like when you practice flamenco, it's such a complicated system of rhythmic interactions and melodic interactions and aesthetic. There's so much culture in it. So I think that those are rhythms that are old, and I think those are uses of the voice that are old. And I don't know where they come from, but they certainly don't sound European to me either. Like, I think it's something that's deep and kind of ancient. What's true about flamenco is that it expresses humanity. It expresses personhood in a way that was denied to many of the people we're talking about here. Afro-descendants, Jews and Muslims, Roma people were all 
outcasts of society. They were not eligible for advancement society. I think part of the reason why this flamenco figure becomes a national symbol in Spain is because it speaks to the Spanish people as a whole in wanting to be human, you know, wanting to be people. I mean, there's something about that kind of expression of emotion that, yeah, you know, the modernists and Lorca and everybody mythologized it, but I think that it's also real. Thank you, Maida. Now we take you out with more of Raul Rodriguez's recent solo concert in New York City. Por los pasitos que doy El mundo se va moviendo Y a compás del universo La vida cabe en un verso Que siempre se está escribiendo Yo voy pregonando fuego para que el que se quede un tío Si no tienes yo te fío Que ya me lo cobro luego Voy vendiendo candela, ya voy vendiendo candela, ya voy vendiendo candela, ya voy vendiendo candela, ya voy vendiendo Yo te prendo la chispita del fuego que hay en tu pecho, yo te canto por derecho y te toco la guitarrita. que aquí nadie tiene dueño Vive con un camino y en el que todo va y viene y cada cual se entretiene en busca de su destino Y el que no corre vuela y el que no llora no mama si tú vas buscando flama yo voy vendiendo candela Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. And PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station.
Thanks to Meda Goldberg, Raul Rodriguez, Joshua Brown, Miguel Angel Rosales, and Inca S.C. Graves for their help with this program. Visit afropop.org to read our interview with Meda and so much more. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, including radio programs and our Afropop Close-Up podcast series. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Stephanie Lebeau. Additional engineering by Greg Hartman. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Ben Richmond. And I'm Georges Collinet. We've been...